Hey, what's up, guys? This is Brad. This is Miles. And welcome to the house. Another episode is finally here. It is time to get into all of the relevant topics in sports. Brad, how are we doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm super excited by all the traction that we've gotten from our mailbag. Yeah, this mailbag segment seems to take off. I like that we're uh, really utilizing all of our channels here. Um, and we got some good questions today, so we're going to go ahead and start with that. Uh, we're, sw- we're changing it up a little bit. Because we got so many good questions, we're going to go ahead and answer three of these bad boys. Yeah, three is definitely a good number to shoot for. We got like 20. That was amazing. Absolutely. All relevant topics. Yeah. So, uh, And we're going to switch it up here and, and cover a couple different sports. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start with the biggest question in college basketball right now. Is Trey Young overhyped? And that comes to us from Sam. Okay. Uh, let's just go ahead and put this out there. So Trey Young, he's been getting a lot of comparisons. Two of the most famous ones are Steph Curry and um, Damian Lillard. And I, I definitely understand the Steph Curry one. Damian Lillard, kind of. So let me just run run by these, okay? So we got a guy who averages, this is a blind resume for you guys, 23 point, 25.3 points per game, 4.5 rebounds per game, 3.7 assists per game. We got another guy who's twenty who was averaging twenty eight point two points per game, three point nine rebounds per game, nine point two rebounds assists per game. The first guy is the best player in in the NBA, in my opinion. That's Steph Curry. The second guy is Trey Young. Interesting. I was about to say uh, number two is almost averaging a double double. Yes, uh, number two leads the college basketball in points by three points and leads college basketball and assists by an entire assist. And keep in mind that teams are starting to figure out how to defend him, but don't get me wrong, it's just straight up double teaming and yeah. pressuring and trapping. It, it, it's not your conventional, like on a five-team NBA uh, lineup, or I'm sorry, a five-player NBA lineup, there's much more to have to defend against. Yes. But on this Oklahoma team right now, they've lost six straight games. This is not even a good Oklahoma team. No, no, it's, he's doing everything in his power to keep them above 500 and okay i'm gonna answer this question no trey young is not overrated especially when i was looking at where he's sitting in the mock drafts they have him sitting around the sixth pick steph curry was was drafted at the seventh pick and i mean i know trey young is 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 averaging 5.3 turnovers per game but a lot of his turnovers the ball is hitting his teammates in the hand and they're just dropping it he's playing on a bad oklahoma team and don't 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 minus the fact that when Steph Curry was in college, he was playing against a little bit less opponent than playing in the Big 12. Yeah, he uh, came from Davidson. Yep. Uh, I do agree with you. I don't think he's overhyped. I do want to point out the stats. 45% shooting in the first 21 games yeah. for Trey Young. In their six-game skid, he's shooting 33%. Yep. But the key to this for NBA scouts is going to be how does this young man respond to the slump? So there is a lot of basketball left to be played. We still have the conference tournaments. We have the big dance. Let's see how he finishes the season. Yeah, and another thing that I was looking at is I was like, man, Trey Young's so small, and I thought Steph Curry was so much bigger than him, but Steph Curry is like 6'2", 6'3", Trey Young 6'1", 6'2". I think Trey Young will be all right. And, I mean, if he's drafted, they're projecting him to the Magic. If he's drafted around that six spot to the Magic, as a Magic fan, I would rather a big man. But, I mean, I think he'll be, he'll be all right. Now, being overhyped, for thinking someone is going to be the next Steph Curry is overhyped no matter who they are. Absolutely, and it's way too much pressure. Yeah. Because each player, at the end of the day, is going to be their own player. We're never going to see another Steph Curry. The other thing, though, he's got to stop turning the ball over. Yeah. It's a big problem. But honestly, he's only averaging two more assists per game than Steph Curry was. And it's it's about 
it's about your, the product you're going to get once they leave. Um, how are you going to be able to mold that? And I think he's got the intangibles. He's super quick. If the 40 time was something that mattered, he'd have a great 40. He's a solid shooter. He's a gunslinger, which means he's fearless. The turnovers, they're a little high, but I think you can train someone to, to hone that in. And especially when he's passing to better players, he's not going to have to force so much. Well, and then he steps into the NBA. He doesn't have to be the whole team. Yeah. He can develop as a rookie, uh, maybe come off the bench for a while, you know doesn't have to be vaulted into stardom right away. So Yeah, but let's just put this out here. I just want to say, for those who are think we're just giving him too much love, the 16-11 record sucks, the 6th straight sucks, and then you look at Steph Curry's last year in college, he uh, his, he, t- he brought his team to 27-8, and eight, which is a huge improvement over the 16-11 and 11 that Trey Young's doing. Absolutely, but like you said, the Big 12 is one of the, I mean, it's one of the best conferences yeah. in he's the nation. He's playing some tough opponents, especially going to, so he's going to Allen Fieldhouse. Like, that's a tough arena to mm-hmm. play at. All right, uh, you ready for number two? Yep. This comes to us from Chris and a very relevant topic in golf today. Will Tiger be in contention on a Sunday for the lead again before his career is over? This is the question that every golf fan is asking themselves. I answer the first one first. Let's see what you got to say. Okay, so for me, there is nothing more than I want as an avid golf fan to watch Tiger be great again. But at some point... I think that we just have to temper our expectations, which I'm starting to come around to the fact that, listen, is he going to be in contention on a Sunday again? Absolutely. I think it's going to happen at least once. I'm not saying it's going to happen every Sunday, and I'm not saying that it's even going to happen in a major. But I am saying that eventually he's going to break through because he's committed to being healthy, and he's committed to improving his swing now, and I think he's in a place where he can actually acclimate to the current style of play. Yeah, I, I do appreciate that you said yes because all the naysayers out there are just out of their mind. I mean, Tiger Woods is a golfer who's golfed at a high level. You saw today. He drained a 15-foot birdie putt. Yeah, sure, his driver was out of there. And he, his driver was going wild. He had to start hitting a driving iron or two iron. But listen, golfers have these hiatuses. I wanted to pull in the bag of tricks and think about Mike Weir. Not saying Mike Weir was anywhere on Tiger's level, but Mike Weir had to take an extended absence. Um, I think it was a year break when he when – he, uh, had he had some illness like cancer or something and I remember when he came back he was shooting in the 80s couldn't make a cut and then a year later he won a tournament I know he did give up the game of golf um, for an extended period to get his life back together but it can happen look at Bubba Watson Bubba Watson has been missing cuts left and right since his last win which was last February uh, two Februarys ago now two years later he won a tournament and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm actually thinking from uh, growing up, uh, Love the Third went yeah. years without winning a tournament. And- uh, Tommy Armour the Third, he went, I think he went 11 years, uh, oh no, 13 years without winning a tournament. And in my opinion, we're talking about one of the most difficult um, accomplishments in sports yes. is winning a golf tournament. When you think about the fields and you think about, really, these guys really don't have that many chances to win a tournament in a yeah. given year because of... The percentages and how many players. I mean, you have to stand far and above the rest. It's it's no easy task, which is what makes Tiger's career and what he's done even more incredible. Yeah. Just let it highlight. Just think about this. This is how difficult it is to win a tournament. Phil Mickelson has not won a tournament since 2013. And it's Phil Mickelson's a household everyday name, and everyone knows he's a, he's a multiple jack, green jacket winner. And he hasn't gone anywhere. He's been playing this entire time. Yeah, Yet so he just hasn't had that breakthrough. It's it's a difficult thing, but I think Tiger will be there. And if Tiger can stop playing such difficult tournaments and 
play some of those little spitter spatters that no one wants to play. Couldn't agree with you more. It would be a little bit easier. Uh, don't play these long courses because you don't want to hit your driver while you're not hitting driver well. Or play a course like like the Masters, a course that you're used to. I mean, like Augusta, a course that you're used to, and, and you 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 can know the terrain. You don't worry about if your driver goes left. You don't know what approach shot you're going to hit next. I'm not saying that he hasn't done this, but he needs to drop the ego completely, 100%, and just get his game back and, you know... We'll see what he does at the Masters. I, I heard a couple really good points about the fact that he knows that course better than any else. Yes, you know, any else. Definitely. So it, uh, it's a short course uh, or shorter. And I it's, mean, a t- it's, it's, a, it's a tough course, but it's tough for the field. Like a lot of these courses that are out there that are tough, they're tough because these guys don't bomb it like all the big guys. So Tiger feels like he has to pull out his driver. This is, this is a tough course from tee to green. And this may be the first uh, major season in a long time that he is going in fully healthy, and yeah. he might be able to play in all four of these majors. So, I want to see him finish a golf season first. But absolutely, I I think we're going to see. And when it does happen, it's going to be the sports story of the year. Yes, it will. And I'll be so glad when people stop putting this much pressure on Tiger because he's going to go out there and he's going to make his double bogeys, but he's still going to make his birdies. Just let the man play golf, and he'll be in contention. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and finish off on uh, our third question here. It's uh, the big one, I think. Uh, One of the bigger ones going into next football season. This comes to us from Derek. Shout out to him. What do you think will happen with Nick Foles and Carson Wentz in Philadelphia? Nick Foles is staying. Carson Wentz is staying. Uh, I think next year uh, Nick Foles has a salary cap charge of $7.6 million, where Carson Wentz is $0.3 million less. Um, Nick Foles' contract expires after next season, and they have Wentz next season. What do you think? Logistically, that was a great breakdown, and I think that it ties into what I'm thinking. For right now, this is a perfect situation for the Philadelphia yep. Eagles. They have these two guys locked up yeah. for a year. You know, Foles is going to get paid. Don't be mistaken here. Carson Wentz is the franchise quarterback in yeah. Philadelphia. Foles is going to get paid after this year because, well, they're probably going to need him for the first four games. I was reading somewhere. uh, So the first four games was what ESPN was projecting. The doctor, his doctor, said that he will probably be rehabbing for 10 to 11 months. And Carson Wentz says, I'll be ready for week one. And his doctor says he's dreaming. And now the Eagles organization doesn't have to rush him back. No. Especially after we uh, what we saw happen with RG3 in his career. And did you know his doctor in interview said there was the same injury that RG3 had where he tore his, wow. his ACL, his LCL, and uh, tore his IT band. And especially uh, how aware we are of these injuries today, you can't rush these players back. No, let them sit on the bench. I mean, Carson Wentz is going to have to wear a knee brace for the rest of his career, and it might be uh, a changing factor that changes him for the better because he can sling the rock. He doesn't need to get outside the pocket and just take off for no reason. But you have Nick Foles, and he proved he can he can play at a high level and can win you a championship. Don't rush Carson Wentz back, and, and don't don't ship Nick Foles out, and you have Nate Sudfield, Sudfeld mm-hmm. playing backup quarterback. And I do want to look at it from the flip side as well. Let's say that Wentz comes in next year. All right. Okay. Let's just say hypothetically the Eagles are four and one. Yeah. Under Nick Foles. Wentz is ready to come back. He starts week six. Throws two interceptions. Okay. Our Philly fans screaming. We for want Nick Foles. Foles. We want Foles. Yeah. And, and they're gonna and they're gonna have every right to because Foles brought him to a championship. 
he proved that he could work. Now, my question is, once all these teams have an entire offseason to look at that film from the playoffs, are they going to be able to figure out the quote-unquote system? And at that point, you need someone who has more talent than Foles. This is my opinion. I like In that situation, you would need a guy like Wentz, who I, I just think has more raw talent, where he doesn't really need the system. He can make those adjustments. I think that the, those game plans in, in the playoffs were just so perfect uh, for Foles. And, and, and I'll, I'll give credit where credit is due. It was perfect execution. But what happens after an entire offseason of film? Okay, you know, for the longest time, I was a big Foles disbeliever. And then I went back and I thought, and it, it wasn't even three years ago where Nick Foles led the league in touchdown passes. Yeah, his he's, ratio was really good that year. He's, a, he's more than capable of playing quarterback at a high level. And I think people need to stop saying, well, is Nick Foles the backup quarterback and, and start taking from what he is. He had a couple off years, but before that he proved he can play. Well, I was about to say, though, he, he lost his job. Yeah. He had it, I mean, it happens when you don't play at a high level all the time, and maybe that's exactly what he needed. I think that whatever happens, they're going to be in a good situation here um, because Doug Peterson, when he was talking to ownership and they said, Doug, are you sure you want to spend $9 million on a backup quarterback? And he goes, Nick Foles is our guy. Let's get Nick Foles. I think they're committed to this until Nick Foles' contract expires. And, I mean, Nick Foles is going to be a starting quarterback in two years no matter what. I agree, especially uh, with uh, how – coveted these quarterbacks are these days uh but uh can't can't wait to see what happens in free agency and how that shakes up for next season all right let's uh let's go ahead and go into our uh next segment this is gonna be a good segment segment that i'm looking forward to talking about it is our most underrated nfl draft prospects of the 2018 draft we did overrated last week so let's do underrated let's go with your first one miles all right all right cool uh so you started uh it off last week i'm gonna go ahead and start this week uh i'm just gonna say for the record it was much more fun for me to find underrated prospects than it was overrated. Yeah, it was. Because I think the underrated guys are guys who pull on your heartstrings or you just look at the sheer fact of what the heck is going on. Mm-hmm. Now, can we also just establish that, and you can say if you agree with me or not, I think that the words overrated and underrated are very subjective. Yes. I, I think you can look at this a lot of ways, which I just want to preface uh, my picks there. So, Because for me, these are two different selection so i'm gonna go with my first one who i think is truly underrated this is a running back that is projected in the third fourth rounds which and i think is a second round running back royce freeman out of oregon this kid six foot 234 pounds he had 64 career touchdowns at oregon started all four years he was slowed down by a knee injury in his junior year and the country forgot about him this kid was named pac-12 offensive rookie of the year was a freshman All-American, earned first-team All-Pac-12 honors in his sophomore year. I think that Royce Freeman can be a great complementary back. So in, you don't think he's going to be a uh, three-down back? I don't think he'll be a three-down back. I think he'll be a great uh, complementary to somebody. And the reason I say that, this kid has a lot of mileage on him. Yeah. He has over a 1,000 career touches already. That's 947 carries. But to me, I think there's a lot that he brings to the table so, similar to what Houston did with Dante Foreman, drafting him to complement Lamar Miller, I think that someone is going to get an absolute steal if Freeman ends up dropping to the fourth round, like a lot of experts say he's going to. So, you're okay You're okay with calling him over underrated if they're taking him at the right position? Absolutely. Say, so, you're not going to say he shouldn't deserve a stretch to the, to the second round? 
No, no, I, no. I I think he does deserve a stretch. Okay, cool, yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm just That's trying true. to see yeah. where you where you went on that. So you know, it's kind of funny. This is this is not one of my underrated players, but it's an underrated player just by the whole aspect of you talking about touches is Bo Scarborough because Ghost Bar- Bo Scarborough out of all running backs in the top 15 has the least touches. Okay. And it's not one of mine. It's just, I just yeah. thought it was a funny stat. But it but it brings up a point, right? Isn't there, right, in today's college football, isn't there something to be said for experience? Yeah. Like, and not just that, not just experience. Experience playing at a top-level university. Yeah. We're talking about a kid who started for four years. This isn't some, uh, Sunbelt school. This yeah. is Oregon playing against some of the best defenses in the country. Yeah. Piling up these stats. You heard that 64 career touchdowns. Not to mention, and I'm going to stick by my philosophy of my favorite running backs are the ones who can uh, pound the ball and who can pass catch. He had 79 catches, 814 yards, and four receiving touchdowns in his career as well. So, very well-rounded. Now, I will say uh, a couple of reasons why he is projected that late in the draft. He does have very below-average elusiveness. Especially once defenders uh, close in on close in on him, and his jump cuts don't do much in the open field. Yeah, he's a power back. Yes, there's no doubt about it. But with his experience uh, running between the tackles, his ability to pass catch on checkdowns, I think someone's going to get a steal with him. Are you not afraid he's going to be another Monty Ball who just got rode into the ground once they get out of college? I think that's definitely. I think it's a a, a definite uh, possibility. And uh, that that definitely happened with him. I mean, and that was a similar situation. He yeah. started for four years at Wisconsin, got got a lot of carries, and that's why I, I wrote that number down. But that, I mean, uh, it's great to have a complimentary back who has a lot of carries because you know they're going to be experienced. You yeah. know they're going to know how to read block. They're going to be able to. You can put them in any any down because they're going to be able to pass protect. They're going to be able to run the ball. They're going to be able to go on the flat to catch right. the ball. And that's exactly why I came to that conclusion of you know in the middle of my research I realized you know what I think that's where he's going to be better suited. So let's hear yours. Mine. One of yours. God, don't talk bad about me because I, every part of me hates this school with all of my guts, and I hate every player who goes there. But I have to say it. Carry on, Johnson. I, I knew that was coming. Carry on, Johnson. Okay, so I've seen him anywhere ranked as the seventh best running back coming out or the ninth best running back coming out. And, I mean, that's putting people like Mark Walton, who barely played this season in front of him, uh, Sorry. Royce Freeman in front of him. Uh, just look at the stats alone, okay? 18 touchdowns this year. Um, all the bigger names pretty much had more touchdowns than him, but Mark Walton did not. Uh, Royce Freeman did not. Okay, let's talk about yards. Yards, he had 1,391 yards, if I could talk, right? Mm-hmm. Yards. Darius Geis, who's... Who they are comparing a light year. They're saying Darius Geis is the third best running back in the country, right? They're saying Darius Geis... He had 1,251 yards, right? Darius Geis did touch the ball a little less. So I do understand that. I do understand why they're ranking him a little higher. But, I mean, Karen Johnson, 115 yards per game. Darius Geis, this is strictly running, okay? 104 yards per game. The number one running back, Barkley, is at 97 yards per game. And this is strictly running. And those are my main Those are my main things. And I don't think, no way and do I think that he's the number two or number number one or number two back? But the intangibles he has with reading reading uh, blocks and he kind of has a, a Le'Veon Bell style to him. He's smooth and that alone is is enough for me to want to draft somebody. He's big enough. There are some concerns with his shoulder and there's some current concerns that his yards per carry aren't great. But when he does break free, he breaks free. 
not being able to finish last season is definitely a concern. But you know what? You can say that about any of these guys in the draft. Yeah. They, they all have miles and they all have their dings uh, on them. I think this is relevant to the conversation, so I'm going to ask it. Do you, do you think that there is something to be said for the style of football that they play in college? So, whereas I feel like Geis ran a more pro style. Yeah. So, everyone's favoring him over a carry-on Johnson who ran a very spread style. Yeah. And the the player that comes to me, uh, the player that comes to mind for me is Ezekiel Elliott. He ran out of the shotgun every single play in college. Then it turns out he's even better in a pro style in between the tackles. Because he can get north and south quick. He doesn't have to go side to side. He can just go downfield, and that's why I think it's going to help carry on Johnson because you don't. He has an extra layer that you you're not really sure what you're going to get. And I mean, don't get me wrong, Ronald Jones, he's quick. Rashad, Rashad Penny, he can run for miles. Darius Geis, he's that pro-style running back, but he just has this flow. Flow's the word. He has a flow when he runs the ball, and it to me, it's more than just the numbers. It's more than just the style of football. It's it's how he plays football and how he his mechanics. What do you think is the knock on him? Do you think it's his size? Well, he I mean might be his size. He's not the biggest running back. He's mm-hmm. six foot two twelve. Uh, might be because the yards per carry is not great, uh, and he doesn't have breakaway speed. Like when I mean breakaway speed, I mean like uh, Ronald Jones breakaway speed, or like Sonny Michelle breakaway speed. Or like Sonny Michelle breakaway speed. So I don't know, man. I've seen him uh, as low as four, fifth and fifth and six, uh, sixth round in the in mock drafts, and that is insane. And for these two running backs that we just talked about, so what we're saying is we think that wherever these guys go, a team is going to get a steal. Yeah, pretty I mean, that's, much. That's we're not saying they're going to be first rounds. They should first round lock, mm-hmm. but they're gonna be steals wherever they go. All right, so I'm gonna go ahead and do my second one. I'm gonna switch gears for this one. I'm going to say this guy as a name that you should remember. He's projected in the second round. I do think he's a first round receiver, but I also think it's going to be someone we're gonna get very familiar with, and that is DJ Moore out of Maryland. The biggest comparison that I have for DJ Moore. Now, I, uh, he did play in the Big Ten, so I watched him for a couple of games, uh, watched him play against Ohio State. He had one of the highest target rates yes. in the entire country from four different quarterbacks. DJ Moore is a stud. Four different quarterbacks. Do you know what that tells me? That tells me that he's a good route runner. Yeah. He knows the game. He's uh, he's good at adjustments. He's His... Adapting. His adjustments in the middle and when the ball's in the air is phenomenal. Especially, you, I didn't think you said his size, did you? This no. man's 5'11", 200, uh-huh. 200 and something pounds. Yeah. And he's running out there going against DBs who are his same size and he's out jumping them and he's locating the ball. That's the words I was trying to get to. He locates the ball so well. He's so good uh, on catch and run options, bubble screens, hitches. That's where he's going to be used. I think he's going to find a great home in the NFL in the slot. He's not a great downfield receiver in that he's not going to win a lot of 50-50 balls, which I feel like is one of the biggest knocks on him. But similar to Stefan Diggs, he's got the ability to uh, make these plays in the slot. Uh, one thing that I want to just go ahead and, and go back onto what you said, he's not going to win a lot of the 50-50 balls. And I think a lot of that has to do with his height. But the people who are knocking him and doc- knocking him down, I went, he was going to be one of my uh, underrateds, and I – I went and watched his film, mm-hmm. and I watched a lot of his film. Uh, sorry, guys, I'm a, I'm a loser, and I watched a lot of highlights. But when he goes downfield, his adjustments make him make him a lethal threat because he doesn't have to out jump the DB. Uh, the DB has to knock the ball down. 
where he's going to get the ball. And no, I, I, I love that about yeah, him. Yeah, so, I mean, he forces, the, he forces the defender to make a play. Yeah. And he learns how to do that by having to be uh, so, I mean, four different quarterbacks in one year in the Big Ten. He was the 2017 Big Ten receiver of the year. School record 80 receptions. So, as you said, it, I think there's no more to say. He's an absolute stud. Yeah, he is. Um, so, I can't wait to see where he goes. I think there's a, there's a couple teams where he's going to fit in well. I, I think he definitely needs to find the right system for him. Yeah. Um, and, and it's someone who could really use a receiver. Um, so, uh, I like that he, one. You know, he's got a little Rashard Matthews in him as well. Hell, maybe he he, he, he go to Philly. I like to, that one a lot. Get Carson Wentz another weapon. Um, All right, let, let's see your second one. This one is a damn shame. The player I'm about to say is ranked the 15th best quarterback coming out. With quarterbacks like Chase Linton from Marshall over him, Tanner Lee from Nebraska, Nick Schmanick from Texas Tech, I'm not even keep going. Oh my god, this is laughable. This would be a criminal offense of how low this quarterback is rated. This quarterback is number three in total touchdowns this season, number three in yards this season. I think he's number six in yards per game and number seventh in passing efficiency, and he is ranked 15th. And the quarterback I'm talking about is Riley Ferguson from Memphis. It is a damn shame. And What's the knock on him? He doesn't locate. He doesn't locate receivers well. Riley Ferguson outside the pocket is one of the most accurate passers because he. I do get the knock where he locks in on his receiver, but he's throwing missiles. What's his next knock? He's undersized. Okay, whatever. He's six four, two ten. Throw some weight on him. What's his last knock? <clears throat> he played at a small school. Wait, wait. Actually, there's one more knock after that because they're also saying that. Uh, Kyle Luetta from Richmond and McGough from FIU and Mike White. Okay, never mind. Throw Mike White out there because he's a tremendous quarterback and I think he's underrated too. They all played at little systems they haven't ranked higher. The last knock on him. He plays at a program where they just throw the ball up and the teams they play against just throw the ball up. So let's talk about quarterbacks that are higher than him that play at, at universities like that. So Texas Tech's quarterback, Nick Shemanek. Finished with 3,963 yards, where Riley Ferguson finished with 4,275. Nick Falk, 3,593. Okay, whatever. He doesn't throw enough touchdowns. These guys are out there throwing more touchdowns. Falk threw for 30. Rudolph threw for 37. Schimmick threw for 33. Ferguson, 38. Wow. We we know he has the arm. And like you said, he has that ability to just throw missiles but i'm gonna say that you know why he's ranked 15th i mean you said it him singling in on one receiver and i feel like that was really easy for him to do at a school like memphis where he could find his first read so i think you know it's going to be his ability to go through his progressions and prove that he can do that in the nfl now i completely agree with you that this man should not be rated that low yeah i was reading articles where they said he might go undrafted Wow. Well, someone's going to get a steal then. I think that's the word of the day. That he will An be absolute steal. steal. It's just criminal. I mean, he only threw nine picks this year. A uh, year before that, when he came in replacing uh, uh, Paxton Lynch, yeah. he only threw eight picks in that season and threw for like 30 touchdowns. And Paxton Lynch isn't helping his case any. I'm just going to say that right now. Yeah, Paxton Lynch isn't helping his case. Yeah, but, but, I mean, Paxton, you saw how high Paxton Lynch was drafted. If, if someone gets mm-hmm. Ferguson in the fifth or sixth round to steal, Paxton Lynch was a reach. And I'll be rooting for him. It was uh, really fun to follow Memphis this year. So yeah, that was a uh, that was a good good little uh, 
take we had. Be on the lookout next week, guys, for our um, mock drafts. Yeah, we're going to do a little mock draft 1. next 1.0. Yeah. 1.0 before free agency. Yeah, because that's going to make a big difference. All right, let's go ahead and close out the show with some success here. Uh, we are going to talk about some college basketball. We are getting very close to the big dance. Uh, the Big Ten Conference Tournament is a week away. The other conference tournaments are two weeks away. Last Saturday, we had some great college basketball action. We talked about West Virginia going at Kansas. Kansas takes care of business, Brad. 77-69. And you and I uh, both said that Kansas would take care of business. With the comeback, and they covered. And covering the spread. Fun to watch. The big one of the day was Villanova at Xavier. Nova could not miss. 95-79. to Covered. <laughs> Another so cover. Too, like, wow. Nice calling. Let's see if we can keep this going. Uh, you're 4-0 okay. in college basketball. I'm 3-1. Nice. Uh, so a combined 7-1 I'll take. So we're going to see if we can uh, keep this thing going. We are going to start in the Pac-12, a little late night action on Saturday night. Number 14, Arizona, traveling to Oregon. This is kind of scary for me here because I'm thinking the spread's going to be set somewhere like 7, minus 7, minus, excuse me, minus 5 for Arizona. Uh-huh. I, I was going to say 5 or 6. And yep. I'm still taking Arizona minus 5. But buyer beware because I know Oregon is great against the spread at home. I think they've only lost one game in their past, like, six games uh, against the spread at home. And don't sleep on Oregon. Uh, they have a projected first-round draft pick. They've been playing well. And their last matchup against Oregon, uh, they, they kept up with them on the scoring end. They lost that game 90-83. to 83. Uh, But their star player, uh, Troy Brown, only scored three points in that game. Yeah, Troy Brown, he is, he is the difference maker. If he scores uh, close to that 19-17 mark, they're, they're a good, good team. But um, when he's not, it's too much, it's too much, uh, too much reliance on Pritchard. And by the way, I am also taking uh, Arizona, uh, taking the spread. Uh, it does scare me. They're having a lot of trouble covering as of late. They're 3-8 and eight against the spread in their last oh 11 games. But here's the big one. They're 15-8. and eight against the spread in their last 23 games on the road, which yes. tells me that they get more favorable lines on the road. Yeah. So that's what I'm banking on here is that I'm hoping that, like you said, I, I'm hoping we get a five-point spread. Maybe we'll get lucky with the four. I doubt it. Um, Who's going to stop DeAndre Ayton? Uh, DeAndre Ayton is a beast. 24.7 rebounds their last game. Averaging a double-double right now, which he can I shoot. love. He can defend. He's athletic. He's 7-2. Why don't the Magic have them? Trade up! Trade, trade, oh, sign and trade, sign and trade Aaron please. Gordon, sign and trade Aaron Gordon, and I don't care, a freaking backup for the number one pick. God, I'll trade our pick for him. Get this man in Orlando. Uh, both seven-footers for Arizona are averaging together 34.5 points, 21 rebounds per game in uh, their last four contests, and Arizona's playing well of late. Yeah. Uh, they're coming off that big win against West Virginia. Um. Yeah, they, they I do have some tough losses that they most of them occurred at the beginning of the season. I'm just going to go ahead and say this out there. Shout out to my boy, Will. He uh, went to Arizona, Arizona grad, and I watch every single Arizona game except for the one that's going to be on today. It should be on right now. Alonzo Trier is their difference maker because we know Aiton's going to get his points, mm-hmm. but when Trier's playing great, they don't lose. How is he shooting and that day? Yeah. He's, he's, I mean, I think he was 25-6 and six last game they played um, Oregon. He's going to be the difference maker of this game. I've got Arizona in a close one, 75-69, so I've got them winning by six. I so. don't have a score prediction, but I do have a close one, but it's going to be a cover. All right, uh, let's go ahead and talk about the big one, ESPN's College Game Day. For the first time, 
will be in Lubbock, Texas. Oh, my God. For the big one in the Big 12. Number 8, Kansas, at number 6, Texas Tech. That is the 4 o'clock game on Saturday. So, Texas Tech, um, I'm thinking Texas Tech. Okay, so, depends if the line comes out, if they're going to rule out Keenan Evans or not. If Keenan Evans is in, Texas Tech will be the favorite. If Keenan Evans is out, it'll be either a pick or a 3.5 uh, line in favor of Kansas. Yeah, even if Keenan Evans is out, I I don't see Kansas being favored. You don't? I think that Tech will be favored just because they're at home. Okay, but that makes sense. But, yeah, just, just, just because they're at home. But absolutely, there is no doubt that this is a different team without Evans. And we saw that. Last two games, he had to come out early. Yeah, do you remember uh, when we were at the bowling alley on Saturday? I was watching, we were watching the Baylor game. Yeah. I was wondering why they were struggling so much in the second half. It's because this man wasn't up. playing. Oh my God, did you watch, if you watched the game, what was that, last night in... They were so effective, and then Keenan, Keenan Evans couldn't finish, and they sucked. He only played 25 minutes against Oklahoma State, so it's very concerning going into the biggest game of the year uh, that they might be missing their best player. And on the flip side, Brad, Kansas looks like one of the better teams in the country right now. Devontae Graham is finally figuring it out. You know, at the beginning of the year, he was having those games where he's scoring like 30 points and stuff like that, but he was not moving the ball around. This man's moving the ball around. He's shooting effective. His last game, he went like five Five for eight from three point from three point range. Oh, that was two games ago from mm-hmm. three point range. He, in my opinion, is one of the most improved players in college basketball. He's my Big Twelve Player of the Year. He's, I can see it. He's averaging seventeen point six points per game. Like you said, really finding his shot, uh, moving well on the court. So, really, to me, I'm seeing um, two opposites. I'm seeing Texas Tech coming off two straight losses. Uh, Kansas, two not only wins. have they been playing well, yeah, the three straight wins, but they're trying to win their 14th straight Big 12 title. Yes, they they are on a mission. And you know the problem with Texas Tech. Okay, I think it's I think Keenan Evans is a huge difference where they might give they might give Kansas a run for their money, but without Keenan Evans, there is no way Texas Tech is going to score enough points to keep up with Kansas. I mean, they only average 76 points per game, where Kansas is averaging 82.4, and Keenan Evans is 17.6 points of that. With Keenan Evans in, I've got Kansas winning by three. Uh, I've got 64-61. If Keenan Evans does not play, I've got Kansas winning by even more. So I, I got if Keenan Evans is playing, I got Texas Tech winning. If Keenan Evans does not play, I got Kentucky winning by about four or five. Okay, uh, Kansas. I say Kentucky. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay, Wildcats. <laughs> They're all blue bloods. Um, so we, uh, I'm going to make that stipulation uh, that we have different yeah. picks for whether or not Evans can go. Um, even if he does go, it's going to be 100%. That's the question. Okay, he has to play more than 25 minutes as a go for me is what okay. I'm saying. Hey, hey, that's fine. We can put that as a stipulation. Yeah. We'll do an over-under 25 minutes on the yeah, court. Yeah, because if he's not on the court for 25 minutes – like, guys, let's put it this way. The smart money is on Kansas regardless. Yeah. Uh, a couple more things here. I, I want to look at their previous matchup where yes. Kansas was completely outmatched. Texas yes. Tech had five players scoring double figures. Oh, my God. An 85-73 win on the road. So – Yes, but Kansas is one of the most improved teams in the country. Yes, they are. And um, one of the bigger players that no one's talking about, I can't even pronounce his name, Azbuki, whatever, the big guy who sucks at shooting free throws. His free throw percentage is up. He's getting to the line, and he's being effective. He's been playing lights out. Was he the one that was pushing it? Yeah, Um, uh, he was so frustrated. He did a little sidearm thing, but he's, I think he was like 40% free throw shooter. Now he's up to like 54, which is a big change. Mm -hmm. And we know that Texas Tech plays great defense, uh, but can we just talk for a second? We, we already talked about Trey Young. Kansas held Trey Young to a season low 11 points. Yes. And 3 of 13 shooting on Monday night. So you better 
believe that Bill Self is going to come in. With they were playing a great game such plan. good defense to when when they took Trey Young out just to try to change it up. You know, you, you're you're getting out coached when you're taking out your best player to to change the mojo. So that's uh that's going to be the big one. So I I like our stipulation here. We'll we'll do an over under on uh, Keenan Evans minutes cool. and uh, we will come back to you with the results. Guys, listen, thank you so much for all the support you've been giving us in the mailbag questions. If you want to hear a question asked, you can shoot us a email or you can tweet us. It's at bestthehouse on Twitter and Facebook. It's also bestthehouse at gmail.com if you want to leave us a mailbag question. Write a review. I was also going to say, please keep in mind, uh, we are going to read the ones that are emailed to us uh, or tweeted at us first. Yes. Way easier to keep track of. Please reach out to us. And, guys, we have a live show coming up March 12th at Waitiki. Visit our Facebook page. And, guys, find us on iTunes at Welcome to the House or however you get your podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe, and rate. Looking forward to our live show. It's going to be fun. Thank you. Have a great one, guys.